This is After the Bell Rings, a podcast brought to you by the Triad School District in Troy, Illinois. In this series, you'll hear about what your kids are learning, how they're learning, and ideas to strengthen the school-home partnership. Here's Mike Wilgus and Adam Geisen. Welcome to Episode 5 of After the Bell Rings. We are coming to you not live, but on demand from our podcast studio here at Wakeland Center, which is the building that sits in front of Silver Creek Elementary. In this episode, we are talking all things technology. My name is Mike Wilgus, and I'm joined with Adam Geisen, and we are instructional technology coaches here at Triad. Before we dive into our tech talk, I think we should lay some groundwork for what we do as instructional technology coaches. Adam, could you share with our audience just what it is that we do as instructional technology coaches? I'd love to do that, Mike. Uh, this district is moving towards a uh, sort of an instructional coaching model where we have a bunch of teachers who help other teachers sort of perfect their teaching skills. Uh, and, and our job as instructional tech coaches is to kind of do that exact same thing, but help teachers learn to, uh, to in- integrate technology comfortably in their classroom. Uh, it's fitting that we're both coaches. Mike and I both uh, have coached athletics. I coach girls soccer. He coaches still the middle school uh, baseball team. And we sort of take that same attitude. You know, everybody knows how to do what they're doing. Teachers naturally know how to use technology, but it does take sometimes a little bit of help and a little bit of guidance to uh, to perfect those skills. So that's really what we do. We go into the classrooms. We meet with teachers. Um, you know, teachers will request to meet with us, and we come in and we prepare things, and we can prepare uh, lessons and stuff for them. Um, you know, that they can then take to the classroom and use. And, and so it's really a, a symbiotic relationship between uh, teachers and, and us. It's a big word, I know. But it's a, well, we, we work together. All yeah, sudden, all yeah. of a sudden. Uh, and my history is in English, so I do know big words. I don't know exactly what they mean all the time. But uh, symbiotic is really, uh, you know, it does really describe it. We rely on the teachers for, um, you know, ideas and what they want to do in the classroom. And then uh, they look to us for help. And that's really what our jobs are. Uh, we also do uh, the website. So if you ever see anything on the district websites that are problematic, uh, we unfortunately would be the people who would handle those requests. Uh, and we also facilitate a lot of the technology-based professional development that goes on in the district. So uh, we have lots of jobs and lots of hats that we uh, that we wear all the time, and, and it keeps us busy, but uh, it's really fun. Mike and I both have a lot of history in the classroom. Both of us uh, taught for over 15 years in the classroom, so this is different and new for us, and, and uh, we are uh, really, really enjoying it. So one of the things we wanted to kind of uh, talk about today in our first techie episode of After the Bell Rings is we wanted to talk about who we were and what we did, but we also wanted to kind of explain the direction that uh, Triad is going uh, technology-wise. And in order to, to move forward, uh, Triad has always been pretty progressive with uh, trying new things and, and jumping out of the box and, and uh, just exploring uh, new technology. Uh, I can remember when I... Uh, was teaching. I got hired in 1999. I received my first classroom computer. I believe it was in the either the year 2000 or 2001, and that was an exciting time. And that was that was a long time ago. Is that an Apple II GS? Is that what that was? <laughs> Did you have Print Shop on there? I'm not that old. Not, I'm not that old. <laughs> okay. There are some of those lying around, but uh, no, it was it was a PC, and it was it was one computer, but it was pretty exciting to receive that. Mr. Fagan delivered that personally to to the classroom. But uh, over the years, Triad has consistently uh, improved infrastructure and, and technology as, as technology has evolved. And now here at Triad, most classrooms have at least a teacher station that's connected to 
uh, some sort of projector or Prometheum or smart boards, depending on the level of the teacher. Uh, and then uh, we also have multiple devices that students use throughout the district. For example, in our pre-K through second grade levels, uh, I believe we have Asus ZenPads, which are new to the district this year. And we also have iPads. Um, the difference uh, is that uh, you know Asus ZenPads play really well with Google. Uh, they're an Android tablet, and the district uses G Suite for education. So uh, the Asus ZenPads offer a lot of integration with our Google um, accounts that the students have. It's also it also has a lot of great parent features that teachers can use to lock down the tablet so that um, students are only accessing the the apps that the teacher would like. So I think the direction uh, moving forward is probably to move closer to the ZenPads and away from the iPads. The iPads are good, but they're outdated, uh, the ones that we have, and um, they just don't um, integrate as well with Google as the ZenPads. Uh, they, they, do, they are better than they were, but they're still not as good as the, as the ZenPads. Um, moving up third third grade through 10th grade, Adam, what do, what do we have there? At, at that level, we are really seeing our move towards one-to-one. -one. Uh, and what one-to-one -one means is where every student has a device at their disposal. It may not be one that they carry with them all the time, but at least in the classroom, if there are 30 kids, there's 30 computers. So that's what uh, we see at grades level, uh, grades three through 10. And so we've got Chromebooks uh, at every building through uh, throughout the district. We're seeing a lot of comfort with these kids using the G Suite stuff that uh, Mike was just talking about because obviously Chromebooks are Google products and uh, and that's what uh, that's what we use when we're doing word processing and putting slideshows together and researching and all that stuff. So kids are getting really, really good at that. And from six to 10 right now this year, those kids get to take those Chromebooks home. So you hopefully if you are, if you have a kid at that uh, age level, you've seen those Chromebooks come home and hopefully they're uh, they're being used as well as they are. The future for the high school though, grades 11 and 12 is still, we're still working on that. Yeah, the current plan for 11th and 12th grade next year is to go one-to-one -one with Chromebooks. So we're hoping that, uh, that that comes to fruition for the 2018-2019 school year. They're almost one-to-one -one right now. Um, the, there's enough computer labs at the high school that if any teacher needs a lab of Chromebooks, uh, they can have it. But next year, it's going to be great. There's there's going to be tons of computers in the building. So if everybody's got one and we're taking them home, um, we're not 100% sure if that's what's going to happen. But that is part of our goal uh, for next year. So keep your eyes open for more information on that. Take, Take home tech. Each episode that Adam and I host, we would like to spotlight uh, a certain app or technology uh, that we see here at Triad. Uh, we're going to call this Take Home Tech. So today we would like to spotlight our Triad District app. Uh, Triad is unique uh, in that uh, we have an app for our district that pushes out notifications uh, from, from the district level and the, and the school buildings as well. You can find lots of information about what's going on in Triad. And to our knowledge, there's not a lot of school districts around here that have an app. So this is, once again, another example of Triad kind of at the forefront of educational technology. Adam, would you like to uh, talk about the app that we have? Yeah, so I'm looking at it right now, and you can find the links to download this um, on our After the Bell Rings um, website, which is afterthebellrings.org. Uh, there's links, obviously, to these uh, applications also on the district sites and, and things like that. So if you're looking at the, the app, you just go to the Apple App Store or the Play Store um, for Android, 
type in the way I've found it most easily is typing in triad and then the word community and it's the top one that shows up so it's pretty handy and it's a nice looking app and I'm, I'm looking at it right now I know you can't tell that I'm looking at it but I am looking at it he's looking at I it. am <clears throat> Mike <laughs> I'll vouch for Michael vouch for me so um, looking at it on the front, you've got um, some pretty easy buttons, news, notifications, events, um, schools, food services. There's athletic links for the high school and middle school. We've also got staff directories, all sorts of um, contact information. There's lots of really great ways to stay connected with the district and to get information. And, you know, our, our administrators, this is still a new thing for everybody. So we're kind of getting used to sending these out as notifications. We're, we're used to doing emails and the all calls for snow days and things like that. But the app is really a great way to say, hey, there's a play tonight. And, you know, and you'll be able to get those notifications on your phone. And you can manage those notifications and turn them on and off or specifically say, I only want this school or this school. So it's really customizable. Yeah, it's another way that uh, Triad uh, really tries to reach out to to, to parents, uh, we've we've really worked hard. It's one of the board goals that uh, that we've had for the past few years is to uh, communicate with parents and, and community members. So uh, having the app is just another step in the right direction for uh, communicating with those outside of our school. Hey, Adam, you know what time it is? I think, Mike, it's techie teacher time. It's techie teacher time. Each show, we would like to showcase a teacher that is using technology in a new and innovative way. You know, our job takes us into classrooms from uh, pre-K all the way up to 12th grade, and we have an opportunity to really see some amazing and innovative lessons in the classroom. We'd like to highlight uh, Sarah Lazar's this week from Triad Middle School. Uh, I met Sarah back in 2000 when she was hired to teach 8th grade language arts. She currently teaches seventh grade reading, and she recently approached us about gamifying part of her classroom. Uh, the idea of gamification in education is a trending topic, uh, and it will probably be the subject of an entire episode of After the Bell Rings, but in essence, it's the act of applying game mechanics to the educational setting uh, in order to foster learning. Uh, why gamification, you, you may ask? Well, the answer is pretty simple. You know, all I have to say is Madden football or Candy Crush. Or Yahtzee. Or, Don't forget about Yahtzee. <laughs> okay, Yahtzee, <laughs> whatever you say. <laughs> um, but uh, what if what if we had game night every day at school? Uh, you know, the implications are clear from the get-go, uh, but turning theory into practice really requires some creativity. Um, but thankfully, there's some guidelines that teachers can follow uh, to kind of get the ball rolling. Hmm. No pun intended. Terrible. Right? That's a bad pun. Yeah, thanks. Gamification in education usually includes elements or mechanics such as a narrative or storyline to kind of set the stage for, for the game. Uh, it usually has immediate feedback so the students kind of know how they're doing. Uh, we want it to be fun uh, because, you know, that engages students. Uh, there's typically some sort of scaffolded learning with challenges that increase in difficulty to keep them interested in the game. Uh, one of the things uh, about gamification is you don't want the game uh, too easy because students or gamers will stop playing, and you don't want it too hard because students or, or gamers will stop playing as well. There's a, there's a middle ground that you have to have. I think the important thing to remember, too, is that these games, if we're talking to parents, and they're like, well, great, games are fun, but what are they learning? Remember, all of this stuff is all, um, and everything that we do technologically, and we try to get teachers to use the technology, is all focused around standards and content and making sure that kids are learning skills, but they're just learning them in different ways, and that's what gamification is all about. Yeah, one of the things we learn, I mean, they drill into our head when we, we, we both have masters in, in educational technology or instructional technology. You know, they really preach to us, 
Technology does not cause the learning. It's the instructional strategy that causes the learning. The technology enhances the learning, and that's what gamification does. It enhances the learning process. So there's other mechanics that are involved in gamification, things like mastery, progress indicators, a social connection, and then player control. So Sarah reached out to us with an amazing, amazing game idea. She wanted to increase enthusiasm and engagement uh, in her seventh grade reading class, and she chose to gamify that aspect of her class. Her narrative is unbelievable. It includes a dystopian world where humanity lives underground in caves and sewer tunnels and catacombs and mines and subway tunnels and underground parking. Stories are told of people who survived above ground, but these are legends. Or are they? <laughs> That's really dramatic. <laughs> uh, the conflict of these people that are that are stuck underground is that the machinery underground to manufacture the food and the fresh air, they're starting to break down. And people have to find a way to the surface and hope that it is inhabitable for chance at survival. To do that, people have to read literature from the time above to find their way back to the surface and perhaps make contact with those who stayed above if they exist. So Sarah came up with a story, and the story sets the stage for the game. Listen to this story. Bands of humans have been... I'm sorry, but I'm going to go a little dramatic here. Bands of humans have been driven underground because of global climatic collapse. Rising oceans, pollution, extreme weather, crop failures. You can't do that through the whole thing. Okay, sorry. Major livestock disease, acid rain, and drought force people to take refuge in caves, mines, tunnels, subways, and catacombs. Those who made it underground have survived with few supplies and have adapted what equipment they could to supply them with fresh air. Food and water are scarce. It, too, won't last forever. Soon the machinery will stop working. The fate of humankind relies on getting back to the world above. Memory of the time above has started to grow dim. Older people tell stories about those who stayed above. These stories are passing into legend, but you have discovered a written record from the time above. You are sure there must be survivors there. Information from these books is the key to getting to the surface and saving humanity. As you look for books to read, you discover ways to communicate with the surface hidden in the boxes and on the shelves of the books. Those above must know your band is underground. That's pretty cool. So that's your story. Pretty creative. I mean, that's a, that's a great narrative. Um, it, but to simplify everything, I, I think Sarah's goal really is she wants to encourage students to read different book genres. Uh, and she wants them to reflect on what they've read and report back uh, as to what, sh- what they read in those different genres. So the way that she's kind of set up the game is that students are placed into bands. And the bands are their class. So first period may be the cave band and second period may be the subway band. I'm not exactly sure how she's got it set up. But each time a student reads a different genre, they fill out an electric electronic form which sends information to Mrs. Lazar's. Students earn food based on pages read and light based on the lexile level of the book. And lexile is the measure of how difficult the text is or it's a student's reading ability level. So she's encouraging people to read books that are at level or above. As students read and submit evidence back to Mrs. Lazar's, they gain experience points and move closer to reaching the surface. Uh, a leaderboard is housed on a website where students can see how their participation measures up with their classmates and other classes. The ultimate goal is to read at least five genres, read as many pages as possible with a Lexile at or above 800. Doing this will lead students to the surface. So that's the game aspect. 
Once at the surface, they must make contact with someone above. Doing all of this will lead them to a video of someone above with an important message. So she's tied in page numbers read, different types of genres read, and the Lexile all into this game to encourage students to read these different genres, reflect on it, and report back on the book. She's also got kind of a puzzle going on too. They, as they read and they they level up, basically, they receive uh, clues to this puzzle, and then when they solve the mystery at the end. So there's also uh, a lot of you know critical thinking, and the kids have to figure stuff out. So there's so many levels, and that's that's really part of what makes gamification so much fun is that there it's it's uh, it's multi-layered and there's other things happening upon other things and and you do this and you earn these things and you know it, it is it's a video game is what it is it's just you know instead of sitting and moving your fingers around you're reading and you're taking in information and that's that's the key so our involvement was to kind of work on the back end she asked us she she came to us with the idea of gamification um, and then worked through kind of the storyline and, and what she was looking for. And then Adam and I have worked on getting the back end set up because there's Google Forms and, and Google Sheets and workflows because as students submit things to her, uh, emails are automatically generated with little nuggets of information that kind of give them a little piece to a puzzle to solve the bigger picture there. Uh, she is excited uh, because she's hoping to launch the game tomorrow. Uh, so we're going to hope to get her on the show soon to give us a progress report on how things are going. So we wanted to highlight the great things that Sarah is doing in her classroom. Keep it up, Mrs. Sarah Lazars from Triad Middle School. So we want to thank you guys for uh, taking the time to listen to our tech-focused version of After the Bell Rings. Um, we've got more of these podcasts coming. We'll try to integrate ours uh, with Amy's, and, and as she talks to her teachers, we'll talk to some tech-forward teachers too and, and, and hopefully give you guys some really good applications and websites and ideas to take home uh, so that you guys can continue that learning at home as well. Show notes, information about the podcast, and links to additional resources can be found on our website at afterthebellrings.org. Please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at ATBR Podcast. You can listen to After the Bell Rings on Apple Podcasts. You can also subscribe on Android and Stitcher. All right. Well, thanks for listening. We'll uh, see you next time. You've been listening to After the Bell Rings. Our mission is to strengthen the school-home partnership. For show notes, to contact us, and for more information, visit afterthebellrings.org.